Carol, I made a rookie mistake with one of my houseplants. A rookie mistake? What happened? I often put houseplants on my mantle, but I never have during winter when I had a fire in the fireplace. And let me guess. You put a fire in the fireplace and the houseplants were still on the mantle and... Well, there was, you know, there are heat vents. I have the kind of fireplace that has heat vents up top. Yeah. And I didn't think they were that close to them, but yes, they were. I basically melted all of the leaves off of one of my favorite weird plants. So I cut all the leaves off and I watered it and I, and I put it by a window and I hope it survives. Oh my gosh. D. I just goes to show it doesn't matter how long you garden. No, but if you think of plants as decor and forget that they're also plants, it can be a problem. Yeah, it can be a problem. But let's move on to the pleasant topics of this week's episode. Welcome to the Garden Angelus, where we talk about flowers, veggies, and all the best dirt. I'm Carol Michael from Indianapolis, Indiana, where I have a suburban garden measured in square feet. It's about a third of an acre. And I'm Dean Ash from Guthrie, Oklahoma, where I garden on several acres out in the country, seven and a half. We call ourselves Garden Angelists because we are evangelists for gardening. We love gardening and we want others to love it too. That's the whole reason we do this podcast. We aren't afraid to spill the beans and tell all of our gardening secrets, the good, the bad, and even the ugly. But that's enough of who, what, when, where. Let's move on to this week's episode. Good afternoon, Carol. Another afternoon recording. You had things to do. Yes. And the ugly being like demelting her houseplants on her mantle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is ugliness. <laughs> Oopsie. They, you just don't know how ugly it was, but it'll be okay or it won't. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's the yeah. way it goes. That is the so way what, it goes. What's going on in winter? At your house. You know, it is winter. I got microgreens coming up. I've got house plants or water. And in fact, they're kind of like saying, back off, Carol. We don't need this much attention. Outside, the yeah. leave us alone. <laughs> leave us alone for a little bit. Outside, garden's in pretty good shape. Tomorrow's supposed to be pretty nice. So I might venture out because I did leave a bunch of zinnias standing. And I actually wrote a blog post that Garden Fairies graded my fall cleanup. And they took off marks because the zinnias are still out there standing. So we'll see. I might I might get them out. You'd think that the little darlings would get in there and help a bit. Yeah, whatever. Also, <laughs> you know, I reported last week that my great niece wanted a houseplant for her remodeled room. And so I was going right by the garden center with all the fancy houseplants, and I felt the car turn in, and I found a beautiful plant, an Aglonema red siam, it's called. Mm-hmm. It has pinkish stems. And the leaves have stripes of red, pink, and green, and it's very beautiful. I think it's really pretty, and so I think it will. It's perfect for a little girl. I got a nice pot for it. It's all ready to go. You can send her my little blog post about, or send her mom my little blog post about falling in love with aglionemas. Oh, okay. It's called aglionema addiction. Yeah, I love them. Ah, uh, you would love this. Do you have red cyan? I do. I have red cyan. Very nice. What about your garden this week, other than melting houseplants on your mantle? What other successes well, not, have you had? Um, so I my daffodil bulbs, remember the daffodil project, the great daffodil project that's in the front yard? Yes. Remember that? Yes, I do. How I dug so many holes. Well, the extra daffodils came in, and I planted all of them this morning. Yay. Well, you had the holes had already rained. dug. No, it rained. So all the holes... 
kind of sunk in. But you know what? I figured out where they were, and I de- and I just went and de- did some more. It was fine. Got all that done. I planted half of the tulips. I still got half more. Why did I buy so many other bulbs? That was stupid. Um. Anyway, I got most of it done, and then, let's see. I'm keeping everything watered indoors, but trying not to overwater, and also in the greenhouse, which I left the greenhouse alone too long, and everybody looked a little dry, but it's okay. They're fine. I realize I say it's okay a lot. Debbie told me I say it's okay a lot, because you know what? That's how I feel about life. You know what? It's okay. Things happen. Huh? It's okay. It is okay. It is what it is. Oh, but the thing I, I do want to ask you about, we've talked about poinsettias before. Poinsettias, Yes. Yes, but now they're saying you really pronounce it poinsettia. And I always said poinsettia, too. Look, I don't care how we pronounce it. It's named after Mr. Poinsett. And it is kind of a pain in the rear. I love them, and I buy them every year. And they're just a bunch of leaf droppers. That's what they are. Yeah, they can be a bunch of leaf droppers. Especially, I heard, if they keep them too long in those plastic sleeves in the store, that builds up ethylene gases, and that causes leaf drop. And then if they get a little too cold on the way to the car, that causes leaf drop. Mm. And, uh, yeah, they're kind of uh, fussy budgets, as they say. They are a little bit fussy. So I put mine in. I got mine out of its sleeve, and I watered it really good on Saturday, let it drain out all the way, and stuck it in a window for a few days. Because that's the other problem. It has been overcast here for days and days and days. And it's making the poinsettia kind of... Unhappy because where is the poinsettia from? Sunny Mexico. Mexico. The poinsettia. I like poinsettia pronunciation better anyway. That's all that's going on here, except I put up my mom's nativity, which isn't gardening related, and I really do love it, and I put up my tree. Very nice. I do want to say that when I was at the garden center, I accidentally bought myself a cyclamen plant. Yeah. Because one of our listeners, Betsy... She sent me an email, and she said that she's gotten her cyclamen to bloom three years in a row. And she says, basically, in the summertime, she throws it under a shrub and ignores it, and then brings it back out and starts watering it in the fall, and it shoots out new leaves and new blooms. And she says it lasts about three years. And I thought, you know what? I I had to buy a cyclamen so that I would have one to throw under a shrub this spring and then see what happens next fall. I mean, I, I really had to. Does she put the pot somewhat in the ground, or does she just put it under the shrub? You know, I have to go back and read the email, but I think she literally said, throws it under a shrub. So I don't think it gets a lot of special care. It would need a little water here, maybe. I don't know, though. They go dormant, so maybe it doesn't need a lot of water. I I don't know. You see why I have to try it for myself. I have to try it myself. I think that's a great idea. Would you like to do the first quote? Here it comes. December's wintry breath is already clouding the pond, frosting the pane, obscuring summer's memory. John Geddes. Well, it's definitely cloudy. It's still warm here, kind of, but it's been a very warm winter, very wet, very wet for Oklahoma, but there we go. So we're going to talk about flour that doesn't really like it that wet, and we're discussing it yet again because... Because D. Because of me. Well, it is summer's memory. We are going to talk about zinnias. And so you start texting me new zinnia varieties on Saturday. And the next thing I know, 
the fabulous topic we had for this week is out the window. And once again, Dee, let's talk about your Xenia problem because I think this is getting out of control. Yeah, I'm Dee Nash and I have a Xenia problem. But you know what? You wanted some of them too. Well, yes. You started sending me these and I thought, oh, those are pretty. And we, we're going to post some links to Eden Brothers Seeds because they show these bouquets of flowers of zinnias that are just so beautiful, and we can't help ourselves. Plus, <laughs> and we don't get anything for showing off, and we've already ordered ours, so you guys can just order all you want because they're pretty neat. Well, you, um, you reminded me that, do you remember, I don't know if I talked about it, but last spring, I decided I wanted the little zinnia angustifolia, which is a small white and of course, you can't just buy flats of those. You could years and years ago. And I asked at the greenhouse, Not now. how come you don't grow those? And she says, because nobody buys them, Carol. I would buy them. I think it's time for them to come back into style because they are such a great plant if you live anywhere that has a hot summer. And I've grown those over and over and over again. Well, I want to grow some. And I, I looked a couple of places. And uh, Pine Tree Garden Seeds has them in a variety called Crystal White, which was mm-hmm, a All-America Selections winner in 1997. Mm-hmm. And so I That's thought, one. I need that. They have like 20 seeds for two twenty five. It's like, really? That's not many Have you seeds. noticed that seeds have tripled in price? They, they have gone up. I don't know if they've tripled, but... They've gone up a lot. I mean, even for zinnias. But let's go back to these really fancy ones. Oh, the ones you... Oh, yeah. And not my little tiny white ones? Well, I mean, these are, are cooler. <laughs> so you found some fancy ones. Tell us about them, Dee. I did. Okay. Okay. So there's... I read this really great article, and I think we talked about it the last time we talked about zinnias. And in it, she named some really good new varieties. And one of them was called Meteor. And Meteor is a red. And that's why I was on Eden Brothers' list to send... They sent me this email. They knew they had a sucker. So <laughs> Meteor is red, and I ordered it... A month and a half ago. But then when I got on, I did. I followed the link and I went on their page and oh my gosh, Meteor Shower. And you're you're looking at it right now because there it is. Yeah. She's holding a bouquet of Meteor Shower. That is adorable. It's very pretty. Mm-hmm. It has pinks and purples and red and they're in all these colors. And I, I don't know how they did it, but it looks like they've got extra petals, but the petals are kind of wrinkled in. So it looks like a shower. It looks like fireworks, kind of. It's very pretty. Mm-hmm. And then there's Fresh Mix, which you would probably like because it's green and white. Okay, I'm in. Fresh Mix? I didn't see. You don't have a fresh picture mix. of that. We, no, but we have the link. So if you just highlight over the link, it'll show it to you. It's, it's green and white. And you love white zinnias. It's I very do. pretty. So why, you know, I said there's just so many new ones out there now. There's another one called Lilac Emperor Superior. It's another one that has great big blooms. They're purplish pink, just gorgeous. Um, So I can't say enough nice things about the pictures of these zinnias. I have never grown them, but here's why I like zinnias. They're like dahlias, which are back in style in a big way. Yep. All over Gardener's World, right? Yes, indeed but a whole lot easier to grow unless you live up by Tulsa 
where they have some success. And I've had success here too. It's just they're really hard to grow. And you feel like you have to dig them up every fall because here they will not overwinter in the ground. Or well, sometimes they will, and some yeah, sometimes they will, sometimes they won't here. And it all depends on how much rain we get. And this year we're getting a ton of rain. And if you plant them in an area that's got clay, they're going to rot. So it's they're complicated. Whereas zinnias are starting to look more and more like dahlias, some of them, unless you choose the angustifolias or those other little Mexican zinnias. I can't think of what their uh, you know species name is. But um, the elegance varieties, they're really doing some interesting things. Now, I just wanted to say really quickly, because everybody always talks to me about powdery mildew. It is a problem in Oklahoma. I don't think it is where you live, is it? Or no, is it's it? a problem. It can be a problem, but... I don't know. With that time of the year, you know, you get into August and September and half the plants have some sort of mold or mildew or something. Nobody's nobody's perfect right. at the end of the season. Nobody, including me. By the end of the season, I'm a little tired and feel kind of mildewy before it's all over with. So certain varieties don't get it as bad as others. Oklahoma, the Oklahoma series is much better. But space your plants out, give them good air, you know, circulation, just like you do roses, and try to water them with drip irrigation if you do water them here. I know you don't have to water them because usually you get rain. And then on top of it, um, oh, I had another thought. What was it? Oh, plant them in full sun. Yeah. They want to be hot and dry. They're from Mexico. Yes. As are dahlias. And so, D, you ended up making me buy another book. So when I was looking at... How did I make you buy another book? Okay, when I was looking at the zinnias, I saw the variety called Miss Wilmot, and it's a great pink zinnia. And that reminded me, there's a book that's been published in the UK called Miss Wilmot's Ghost by Sandra Lawrence. And I've been waiting for it to be published in the US, and I finally just bought it. And I think it's, it's coming from somebody who's getting it from England. But listen to this, listen to this description of this lady. Ellen Ann Wilmot was a remarkable woman whose achievements in horticulture, botany, landscape architecture, photography, and more should have made her one of the most well-known trailblazers of her age. Yet, both posthumously and within her lifetime, she instead became known as a bitter, cantankerous, and eccentric miser and her reputation has been forever stained by the image of her maliciously seeding other people's gardens with thorns. So I I thought, I can't really wait any longer for this book. So I went ahead and ordered it. And I put an Amazon link in case somebody else wants to. I, the book, the, the reviews of the book say it's kind of gossipy and everything. I was like, oh, it just sounds like delicious gossip. It does sound, the idea that, I mean, with thorns. Bitter and cantankerous of... eccentric miser. That's not what you think about when you think about a gardener, but who knows? There well, are not most of them for sure. And if you look, there are a ton, a ton of different plants varieties named for Miss Wilmot. Sure. So, so anyway. So she was a big deal. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know anything about her, so I'm excited for you to I will get the book book. and I will read it. So she's not really a lost lady of garden writing because obviously this author, Sandra Lawrence, has written an entire book about her. But it seems like she would be a figure of some controversy. She's she's British. Wasn't here in the United States. It was in Britain. Where gardening is like, is a competitive sport. Oh, it is. My husband says it's the most competitive sport he's ever seen. So anyway. 
That's what you caused when you said, let's switch to zines as our topic. Okay. Well, they were really exquisite. I hope people go look at the links. I haven't bought, I said I bought seeds. I bought seeds a month and a half ago, but they didn't have these then. So I might have to buy that one. Might. That one if you haven't already bought it, I have no, I, then I don't know who you are, Dean Ash. You should get your I seed. have not bought it yet. Oh my god. I've gosh. been busy. Oh yeah. Oh well. Excuses, excuses. I have been. I've got to order a bunch of angustifolia seeds because I, I do want to grow those and I'm going to grow them in seeds and flats and get them started early. So there you go. Well, good for you. All right. So shall Onward. I do the next quote? Absolutely. Or I'll end up with another book and you'll end up with another packet of seeds and it'll go. It never yeah. ends. And never we've already t- everybody's left the podcast to go buy these seeds as fast as possible. To appreciate the beauty of a snowflake, it is necessary to stand out in the cold. That was Aristotle, which I don't think that seems odd to me. Very odd. That can't be. That cannot be Aristotle. He lived in Greece. Did great. Maybe up in the mountains they got snow. Maybe they got snow in the mountains, or maybe this is like one of those things where you know they quote Buddha. Yeah, or the, go, the famous quote go, where where Abraham Lincoln says, "Don't believe everything you read on the internet." That kind of quote. Right, it could be. But that's our quote, and it's a good quote, whoever said it. I like it. So we decided this week to do Greens You Can Grow because I wrote a whole post on called Beans and Greens where I talked about how to how to cook greens and get good taste out of them and all that kind of stuff and beans and all that. Because I'm trying to eat beans and greens more often because, well, I want my blood work to be good when it there comes you go. back next time. So Greens You Can Grow. All right, so one of the very first things I ever grew in the garden was lettuce, leaf, loose leaf lettuce, right? Yes. Did you? Oh, yeah. Easy, 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 easy. Very I easy. Think. And you know what? It just makes you feel like you're a real gardener when you grow it. I would say getting onion sets and setting out green onions, you don't even have to grow them from seed yet. You're right. brand new. You got onion sets. You plant it. Maybe you want to plant garlic in the fall. That's easy, too. And lettuce, leaf lettuce. Yeah, but for me, all the I sow all my greens in the spring. Do you sow? I do. I do most of them, but no, I do them in the fall too. We can do both. But I was just talking about garlic in the fall. Do you put garlic in in the spring too? No, no? I'm sorry. I was I was clearly not paying attention. I was just thinking about greens. <laughs> garlic was definitely fall planted, and I did not plant any garlic this year. I did, which is crazy because I said I was never going to do it again. But then I ate some really good garlic and I thought I need hard neck garlic. But that was another episode. All right. So the very first one I grew was Black Seeded Simpson, which is an heirloom because my grandmother, my grandma Nita, grew it. And she made the best salads out of it. And that's on my website, too, about the salad. And then I also grew Flashy Trout Back, which is another heirloom. And I wrote a big article for Organic Gardening back in the day about Flashy Trout Back. I think it's long gone. That's the thing about internet. Stuff comes, stuff goes. It's stuff not comes, like stuff print. goes. You remember earlier this, or back in February, I wrote a post about the heirloom to- tomatoes, listen to me, heirloom lettuces that um, Hal Borland had talked about. And I did plant those. And I will tell you that I think I had a better lettuce crop this year than I have had in many years. And I don't know if it was the weather or the fact that I just picked these heirloom varieties that are sort of tried and true. Could be a little. Above. I don't know. I think it could be both. Don't I really do? I think it could be both. And then uh, the next green that I started out growing back in the day was Swiss chard, 
and I wanted to grow. At that time, the one that had multicolored stems was Bright Lights. Now there's a bunch of other ones out there. Um, I, you know, if you grow Bright Lights, you get a whole lot of yellow and a whole lot of white stems. You don't get as many pink and red. No, you do um, not. And so they made some improved selections of that, but it's super easy to grow too. I don't really like Swiss chard, but I've learned to kind of like it. Now, kale, I think, is a little bit trickier in my climate. I would think so because kale does not like the heat, and you heat up so fast in the spring that it sort of probably just bolts right away, whereas kale here in the spring, it's not that difficult. And actually, it's a good fall crop too, but I've mostly grown it in the spring. I grow it mostly in the fall. I put seeds in the fall, and hopefully after the caterpillars are all gone, unlike mm-hmm. this year. You've got to get it in at the right time, and then sometimes it will not sprout until February, and then all of a sudden you'll have a bumper crop of it um, because it, it knows when to come up. And then when I've done that, it does really well here. Um, and you'll probably want to cover it if you do it a little earlier. I think fall gardens are kind of tricky no matter where you live, but they're really tricky here. Um, you have to cover a lot of things. Sometimes you want to start stuff indoors. Um, and then collard greens are pretty easy. They take a little more heat than some other greens. Same thing with mustard. It doesn't bolt for a little while. And turnip greens, I usually start in the fall and grow turnips. And then when I harvest the turnips, I eat the greens too. And I'm going to tell you right off the bat, I do not eat mustard greens, turnip greens, or collard greens. They're just not on my list of, ooh, I want some of these. So you hmm. can have all of them. Have you ever had turnip greens? I know you've grown yeah. turnips. Yeah, I've had turnip greens. I think they're really good when you grow them at home, just like turnips. So with all greens in my climate, and then Carol can say about her climate, I found that it, you can either start them indoors as small plants and start them under lights or start them in the greenhouse and then set them outside. And that's whether you're doing it. Okay, so if you're doing it for a fall crop, greenhouses here would be too hot. So you want to start them under lights inside. And then um, and you don't need a huge, huge light table. I have one, but not everybody does. And um, Or you can just sow them directly in the soil. You can do it either way. And you'll you'll get some greens. Um, you may not get them when you want them. They're kind of finicky sometimes. Now, Carol, what do you do? So I direct sow spinach, kale, and lettuce for the most part in early spring. You can do it, um, I do it here around the end of March so that we still have four, five, six weeks of frost possible. But they seem to do okay. And like you said, they'll just sulk if it's not, the soil's not warm enough. Um, if you're going to try to grow like a heading lettuce, like a bib lettuce or something, Mm-hmm. that's a, a lettuce different. that you could start inside so that you put out a little bit more mature plant, give it a chance mm-hmm. to, to grow before things get too hot. But I, I I guess I just don't love them enough to care whether, you know, I'll just throw some seed out there, and if I get some stuff, great. If I don't get some stuff, also okay. You know what? And it doesn't, they don't have to be planted very deep at all. So sometimes if you have a raised bed and you've got some... Uh, good soil and compost, you know, you could just lay the seeds across the top mm-hmm. and then sprinkle the compost and soil over the top. Um, that's also how sometimes people grow bulbs. I mean, they just throw down the bulbs and then they just top them with soil. And that there's that's another way to do it. So there's a lot of ways to do it. Most of the time, I'll be honest, 
I get the fever at, toward the end of February, which is about when we're supposed to do it. And I go out there and I plant my radishes and my lettuce and all of that. I'm glad you brought up spinach. So the spinach, the only spinach you can find on the in the market anymore is little leaf spinach. Immature, smooth leaf. You can't yeah, find baby the good old-fashioned, crinkly-leaved, delicious spinach that we grew up with. And if you want that, you need to grow it. And um, is it Bloomsdale Longstanding? Bloomsdale yeah, Longstanding old... is exactly what I was thinking of. Oh, my gosh. One of the best-tasting spinaches on the planet. It can be a little tricky to grow in Oklahoma. I would probably start it outside in mid-February. Um, but Or I would grow it in the fall. But anyway, I miss that taste, and I've about decided that I'm going to order some and plant it in February outside and just see if it'll it'll take off. We unfortunately will have some weird years where our spring ends really suddenly and we get summer. Um, but the last few years, that hasn't happened. So it might be really good to grow spinach right now. It might be. Yeah. yeah. Now, anyway, now I'm thinking, that's just, did I order spinach seeds? I think I did. I did not, so I'm going to have to go do that. Get it with your genius seeds. I got a, <laughs> I got a lot of catalogs. Yeah, because shipping this year on seeds is really high. Yeah. So, and look for spinaches that are crinkle leaves. They are more, they are more to clean. You know, you have to put them in and you know put them in um, like a sink of water or a big bowl of water because they get sand and stuff in yeah. the leaves. Yeah, but they need they the need taste to, yeah. is just so much better. And maybe it's the sand and dirt in the leaves. Never mind. <laughs> Here's the next quote. In the winter, she curls up around a good book and dreams away the cold. Ben Aronovich. Perfect quote. It is a perfect quote. I don't know where we found it, but it's perfect. So our book this week is called My Father is the Gardener, Devotions in Botany and Gardening of the Bible by Shelley S. Cram, who is a friend of ours. She's a good friend and colleague, and she's from Texas. And um, I love Shelly. And one of the things I love about Shelly is that she has always been very clear in what her gardening niche is. Yes. Like you said, she knows more about the plants of the Bible than anybody we will ever meet. Yes, she does. Um, I do want to say the illustrations in this book are also really wonderful, and they're by a young woman named Layla Layla Luna, and she's known for illustrations of Southwestern subjects. I went and looked her up. We'll, we're going to link to her website. Um, but the the illustrations in this book are beautiful. They are. And the writing is beautiful. And if you know someone who cares about the historical plants of the Bible, um, who also wants a devotional, it would make a great gift. Yes, it would. And we're going to put a link... Because right now they've been having trouble getting it listed on Amazon, but you can order it from Brit Press, and we'll put the link. And there's a discount code of THANKS20, would get you 20% off the cover price. And they said if you order by 1218, that'll ensure you get it delivered by Christmas. And I ordered mine a couple of weeks ago, and I got it in like four days. Of course, it wasn't Christmas time, but still, I mean, it was really... I also thought, okay, so... Her first book was on um, plants of the Bible, and now, and she's become a really sought-after speaker on this topic, and she goes to not only churches all over the United States 
and especially the South. Um, but she goes I, just all kinds of places. Like she spike, speaks at botanical gardens because mm-hmm. she's really an expert on this topic. This book takes that lesson further. And I read uh, a bunch of it this morning. And um, it is both instructional. It also has a series of prayers and meditations about the Lord and gardening. And so if you ever wanted quotes from the Bible about gardening, there each section has that. And the first two chapters are on two different plants in the Bible. And I never, I never knew that they've kind of figured out which oak tree Abraham planted in the desert as it's, I just, I was kind of amazed. I think it's a really good book. Yes. And as you noted, it's one to read slowly and kind of let the absorb all the knowledge that she has. And uh, she also has quotes from various garden writers. And so we'll probably dip into those for our own podcast. But yes, it we'll is a really wonderful those, book. It is. I'm just so pleased by it. And I'm so pleased that she got it done and um, got it published. And she's just one of the most genuinely kind people I've ever met. She is. And so that's My Father's the Gardener, Devotions in Botany and Gardening of the Bible by Shelley S. Graham. We'll put a link to Brit Press. Thanks, 20. We'll put that in the show notes, too, so you can get the 20% off and get it delivered by Christmas. Yay. Uh, we would also make a great confirmation gift, yes. too, and a yes. birthday gift, yes. just in case you need one of those. Ready for the next quote? I am. It seems like everything sleeps in winter, but it's really a time of renewal and reflection. That's by Elizabeth Camden. And you came up with our dirt, which I'm kind of excited about. So the Pantone color of the year for 2023 has been announced. Oh, the controversy D. It's Viva Magenta, which uh, some people despise magenta. Some right. people love it. And of I course, love it. I'm in, in the love it camp. I'm in the, eh, you know, I think it's okay. I, but the first thing is they're trying to figure out, okay, which flowers are this color? Because right now we think we have to grow this color. By spring, we'll th- we won't even give it a second thought, but it's kind of fun while it lasts. No, but this is really cool because we found um, a few plants and one of them is really pretty. It's Easy Wave Burgundy Velour and it is, um, it is that color, and it has a really dark throat. I might have to grow that one this year. It's it's pretty. You'll probably have to grow that one. And then just for you, mm-hmm. I did some searching before we got on together. I found a zinnia called Oklahoma Carmine, which is also very dark I've magenta. Grown you, you've grown it? Oh, of course I have. I've grown everything in the Oklahoma series. Oklahoma Carmine zinnias are one of the prettiest colors out there. It's it, They're just beautiful. When I put a picture of that up on my Instagram or my blog, people go nuts. So beautiful colors. Um, the funny thing about magenta is over in England, it, people despise it. Um, people back east somewhat despise it. But you know what? If you live in hot, sunny Oklahoma or Texas... You like that color because it doesn't get faded by the sun. And, you know, and I, I could take it or leave it. I, I mean, I don't see it. I, I don't think I'm going to grow a lot of Viva Magenta flowers, but that's just me. <laughs> so you guys will see stuff everywhere in this color this year. It'll be everywhere. Yeah. All right. So let me do another quote. The color of springtime is in the flowers. The color of winter is in the imagination. Terry, I'm going to say 
Gimet. Gimet. Yeah, I think it's Gimet. Yeah, we got to imagine things in the wintertime. We do. Although right now my garden is still really pretty because it hasn't been cold enough yet. Even though it's been, you know, we've had freezes, there's some really pretty fall foliage out there. So right now it looks pretty good. The grasses look good. They aren't all beat down. I I have a rabbit hole, but my rabbit hole's creepy. You go first. So my rabbit hole was very, but I, I spent some more time researching some lost ladies of garden writing this past week. Of course, Ellen Wilmot, who's not going to be in my series because, well, she's British. Like I said, somebody's already written a book about her. But I've uncovered a couple of other ones, and I'm working on, slowly working through, because I have to find history about them. And uh, yeah. it takes a bit of, of searching and going down rabbit holes, and you get on Ancestry to try to figure something out, and then it's like, oh, I've got the complete wrong lady. And so there'll be some more posts, but that's really where where I spent my time when I was in the rabbit, down with the rabbits in the rabbit holes. What's your rabbit hole? You said it was creepy. Yeah, it's true crime. I sent it to you yesterday. Yeah, that was creepy. I said we could use it as dirt, but I've decided it's a rabbit hole instead. Yeah, it is a rabbit okay, hole. Okay, so I, I'm interested in uh, true crime, and I watch true crime shows. And this one in particular caught my attention because they solved it based on the DNA from a tree. Yeah. And up in... A- that's amazing, isn't it? Up until I watched the show, and it was on 48 Hours, if anybody wants to watch it, um, I had no idea. I just didn't think about the fact that every living thing on the planet has DNA, right? That is correct. And it's all individual, even trees. And the way they figured it out is they found her body, and um, and they tell this at the beginning, so I'm not giving anything away. They found her body in a muddy area. It took them a while to find it, but they found it. And then um, the police did a good job when they searched her husband's closet because they took his shoes because they were super muddy. And then they went through the mud in his shoes, and he had juniper tree um, needles in his shoes. And so they went out to where the, the grave was, and they took all of these samples of the juniper trees surrounding where she was buried. And they found a match. And it's the second... I know. It's the second time in in the history so far that tree DNA has solved a murder. What was the other time? I didn't go that far down the rabbit hole yet, but it's the second time. Only the second time. And that's pretty amazing because we we weren't always able to do this kind of thing. Yeah. So now it's not just human DNA that'll catch you bad guys. It's tree DNA. Yeah. The trees. The trees know. They do know. Remember J.R.R. Tolkien and the Newts? The Newts? No. Uh, yes, I do recall that. Yeah, big tall trees. They know what's going on. So that's my rabbit hole. What's your garden commission? So I actually, tomorrow is supposed to be pretty decent, so I might do a little get bit of garden cleanup. The microgreens are going to be ready to harvest in another day or so, and I am really trying to keep them growing all winter long. And I've actually started some for celery, but I think they will take much, Yum. much longer to germinate. So we should. I think see. celery does take a long time to germinate. I just wanted to try it, and it's uh, you know it hasn't really yeah. done. One little sprout came up, and I thought, oh, that's probably an errant seed from the other microgreens <laughs> that I was growing. I don't, could be. I don't think that's actually you know one that's way. Above, you don't think it's the re- one that's way ahead of all the others. Look at me! Look at me! And all the others are just <laughs> yeah. still sitting there. So. 
It's not just an overachiever, Celery. You know, it's going to be an easy week, you know, because we're heading into the the Christmas thingamajigger, so. The Christmas season. Well, my garden commission is I'm going to get those bulbs planted. <laughs> and after I'm D. done here, I, I know. My name is Dee, and I'm going to plant bulbs every week for the last month. Pretty much. I'm almost, I got half of them in today, half the tulips and the Scylla Siberica and all of that. Did you so buy too many I'm bulbs? not ordering as many next year. Of course I did. You know I ordered too many. I was, I was just a it. model of restraint. You were, and I wish I were right now, but you know who's going to be happy in spring? I am. <laughs> Why? Because I did plant some more bulbs and I've got all my crocuses are going to come up. So I'm not going to be without flowers just because I didn't plant a bunch of bulbs. I still planted some. You sound a little defensive. I'm not defensive. Why would I be defensive? (laughs) We should wrap this up. (laughs) All right. We should wrap this up. Thank you for listening to The Garden Angelist. I hope you like that. Hope you've hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. We publish every week on Wednesdays at 12 a.m. Eastern Time. If you listen to Apple Podcasts, we'd love a five-star review that helps us get noticed by others. And could you also share our podcast with your friends? Word of mouth is still the best way to get the word out there. And be sure and check out our show notes for links for more information about today's topics, plus links to our own websites. And subscribe to our Substack newsletter, The Garden Angelus at Substack.com, also linked to in our show notes. And if you want to help support us, use those affiliate links. If you buy something after clicking through on them, we are in a small commission. It costs you nothing. And we appreciate everybody who has been buying through affiliate links because we've actually made a little money so that we can continue our podcast. It was lovely to chat with all of you over the garden gate this week. Bye until next week. Bye, everybody.